Good morning. Good to see each one here today. Happy Easter. He is risen. We're glad to be here today. All right. Good to see each one of you here today. It's good to see a lot of guests with us, and we are just overjoyed that you're here today. We're glad you're here. Everyone should feel very comfortable. If you have any questions, please let us know. Also, uh, if you're new, first-time guest, we'd like to get to know you a little bit more. There's a section in the bulletin, if you would, fill that out and uh, place your mouth in prayer for just a little bit. There's a lot of announcements uh, that you can see in the bulletin. I'm not going to go over all of those. just want to remind you of a work day in a couple of weeks. That's the top uh, announcement. Also, Awana is coming to a close. There's also some information about that and Vacation Bible School. So welcome along to Missional Baptist Church. We're glad each one is here today. Greg Williams. Morning, good morning. Good to see everyone this morning. Are you ready to lift up the Lord in praise? Amen. We celebrate the resurrection today. We hopefully celebrate that every Sunday, but this morning we just kind of especially focus in on it. So let's stand together. We're going to lift him up in praise. All the earth one day is going to acknowledge that Jesus is Lord of all.
this morning gladly. He, we serve a risen Savior. Let's go to him in prayer. Brother Evan Hill, would you word our prayer? We'll let you be seated. The choir has prepared some special music to share with you that kind of condenses the resurrection story. So you listen as we share these three songs.
a, an assurance that there's an afterlife because Jesus is alive. We have an assurance of we're going to be there because we put our faith and trust in Jesus alone for that afterlife. We sing because he has conquered the grave. Let's stand together and sing Victor's Crown.
Let's go to him in prayer. Almighty Father in heaven, we thank you for the victory you have over the grave. It is our hope. It is our assurance. It was your victory. And it's your glory this morning, Lord, that we, that we offer uh, to magnify you, to draw attention to you, to lift you up. And, Lord, we just ask that everything we do here this morning is all about you and all for you. May you be glorified as we celebrate your resurrection. We pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated.
you have your Bibles, you can open to Acts chapter 3. Good to see everybody this morning. Everybody bringing their A game today. Got on their Easter best and all that. But I don't know if y'all saw J.D. Richardson definitely had his A game up there in those pants and that red jacket in the choir. Shout out to uh, the young man that plays our bass. There he is, J.D. Would you just stand up and walk out here in the aisle for a second? I mean, this is, this is impressive right here. Yeah. Nice. Well done. Um, Andrew Comer on that bass this morning, strap broke right there in the middle of the song and, and st- didn't miss a lick. That's bringing your A game on Easter, brother. Good job with that today. So you know what else we have today? We got a first-time guest here today, and uh, I want to recognize her. So, Daddy, would you stand up Miss Lin- and introduce Miss Lindley to us today? Now stay standing. Uh, Tony's going to get your picture. Tell us uh, when she was born, her full name, how much she weighed, all that good stuff. Congratulations to the Malone family. To uh, yes, Charlie's happy to be a big sister. That's awesome. I tell him how cool is that. Her first, her first Sunday in church was Easter Sunday. That's that's awesome. That's pretty neat right there. If you have your Bibles again, we're going to be in Acts chapter three today as we um, continue a series that we've been working through the last three weeks entitled Hope. And if you haven't been with us the last couple of weeks. We've been talking about hope because we live in a society, we live in a culture where it seems like hope is is disappearing, right? Hope seems to be lost. There's there's not much hope in our world, and, and it seems that every day that goes by, there's less and less hope. And a lot of people don't know what true hope is, and one of the reasons that there's so much hopelessness in our world is because we place our hope in the wrong things. And when we place our hope in the things of this life and our circumstances and the things that bring us joy in this life, then eventually those things are going to let us down and they're going to leave us hopeless. And we talked that first week about how hope is more than just wishful thinking. Hope is not just this, this thought, this wishful thinking that we hope everything turns out okay in the end. But when the Bible talks about hope, that word for hope in Scripture, it actually means great expectations, that the, we have this expectant attitude towards what God is going to do and how he's going to answer his promises. And our hope is rooted in faith. Hebrews 11 says that faith is the substance of things hoped for and that that hope is rooted in faith and in the truth that this, what we experience today and tomorrow, this life, this is not our final experience, that God has something greater for us uh, as we move ahead. And because of that, Jesus came to the earth. And last week we talked about why Jesus came and how he came to bring a regime change, that there would be a changing of king, a changing of kingdom, and that changing of king and kingdom is not necessarily an earthly kingdom, but a spiritual kingdom that rests in our heart, and that when we choose Christ, when we turn to him, we get a new hope, and we get a new regime, because now we we operate under the kingdom of heaven and under the kingdom of God. Today is a simple title called Hope in the Resurrection. And we're looking at Acts 3, and and as we work through this, I think it'll come together for you. But as we work through the message today and as we we unpack this, I want to to take away any mystery you might have and just let you know up front what my my goal is today. I want to encourage you, if you have never placed your faith in Jesus Christ for salvation, that as you hear the message today, that you'll do that. That you'll put your faith and your trust 
in Jesus Christ. If you're here and you have faith in Jesus, I hope that through the, the message today that you will have hope restored. That the things that may uh, knock you uh, off kilter, knock you off track, that through the, the, the hope that's in Jesus Christ, that you could leave on this Easter Sunday celebrating hope, knowing that you have hope in Him and Him alone. So we're going to look at Acts 3 today. We're going to look at a story, and then we're going to look at a sermon. We're going to look at this event that happened uh, just uh, days after Jesus Christ had resurrected and then ascended back into heaven, and then how Peter took this moment and shared a message. And so let's look at this together. We're in Acts chapter 3, and we're going to begin the story in verse 1. It begins in this verse, and it says, Peter and John went to the temple one afternoon to take part in the 3 o'clock prayer service. To set this up, uh, Peter and John, we know who those guys are. These are like these are the two big dogs in the Bible when we think of, hey, name 12 of the apostles. Okay, well, there was Peter and there was John and there's some others. Like You always remember these guys. They're main characters. So Peter and John, one day, this is uh, uh, maybe within a few months after Jesus had risen from the grave and witnessed uh, or was witnessed by over 500 witnesses and ascended to heaven. There's this afternoon, and they're going to go to the temple in Jerusalem. And they're going to go at 3 o'clock during the traditional prayer time. And uh, they're going to take part in this 3 o'clock prayer service. Now, as they go, something amazing begins to take shape. Look at verse 2. It says, as they approached the temple, there was a man that was lame from birth, and he was being carried in. So understand, this guy that, that they encounter, he was 36 years old. He had been lame since birth. In other words, this guy had never, he had never walked in his life. He had never taken first steps. This guy, all he had ever known was, was that he was that he was disabled, that he was crippled, that he was paralyzed. The Bible says that he was he was lame, and because of that, each day the Bible says that he would be carried to the temple gates, that someone would have to take him and literally physically carry him and set him outside the gate of the temple. It says each day he was put beside the temple gate, the one called Beautiful, so that he could beg from the people going into the temple. Now, this was strategic because the temple uh, was this place of worship where people would come to daily to, to worship, to pray, to give sacrifices and offerings to God. And so by, by sitting outside of the temple, he had this spot where people would come in and, you know, they were wanting to get right with God before they went into the temple to offer their sacrifice or to offer their, their, offer their worship. They want to get right with God, so, so they, would, they would maybe give him a little something. Uh, so that maybe they could find favor with God before they walked into the temple. He was in this, this location. And every single day, because of his condition, someone would carry him. At the beginning of the day, they would set him outside the temple. And there he would sit all day and he would beg. And at the end of the day, they would pick him up and they would take him home just so he could do it again tomorrow. So then here comes Peter and John who are on their way to the temple in verse 3. And the Bible says that when he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for some money. This was the routine. He asked Peter and John to give him some money, to give him an offering. Verse 4. The Bible says that Peter and John, they looked at him intently. They looked at him intently. And Peter said, look at us. Now, if you can imagine this guy that's, that's lame, that's begging for money, he probably didn't have a lot of pride. There's probably a lot of shame in what he was doing. And so for him to look up and to make eye contact with somebody probably wasn't something he normally did. He probably asked them for money 
and he was obviously on the ground because of, because of his condition. He was probably looking down at the ground, wouldn't make eye contact, held out his hand, asked for money. And Peter and John, Peter says to him, he says, hey, look at us. Look up. Make eye contact with us. And the Bible says that the man looked at them eagerly expecting some money. There's a couple of things I want us to point out at this point before we go a little farther into the story because as we read the story, it's key that we put ourselves in the place of some of these characters to fully grasp it. You know, this guy was born with an affliction. He was born lame from birth, and all he had ever known for 36 years was this disease that crippled him. You know, for many of us, we may not even realize it, but we're also born with an affliction. Now, that affliction, it's not as, as evident as you know, being disabled or, or maybe being crippled or lame like this guy. It's not that evident, but yet we're all born with sin. The Bible tells us that we have this disease, that we are broken by this disease, that every single one of us, we have this brokenness. And every one of us, we, we're looking for some way to, to try to, to, to put a Band-Aid on it. And we try everything, and it doesn't seem to work. And as we go through life, there, there's so many things that we do that it's really like this guy, he's, he's asking for money, and maybe that money will give him bread for the day. Maybe that money will, will, will put a roof over his head, but that money's never going to heal him of his affliction, right? And so many things we do in life, maybe it'll give temporary relief, but it's not really going to satisfy uh, the, what we really need, which is healing from the affliction we were born with. This guy, he didn't expect anything more than money, but he looks up with eager expectation thinking they're going to give him some gold or maybe give him a silver coin. And look what verse 6 tells us. Instead, Peter and John, they said, well, I don't have any silver or gold for you. Now, that's probably, that's probably a, a disappointing moment for a second. They say, but I'll give you what I do have. And what they had was Jesus Christ. And notice what he says. He says, in the name of Jesus Christ the Nazarene. That's key. We're going to come back to that. In the name of Jesus Christ the Nazarene, get up and walk. Now, now here's the thing. This could have been a very condescending statement. To tell somebody, you know, that's lame, that's crippled, to get up and walk. Andrew, come on, walk on up here on stage, buddy. You're right, not today. <laughs> if y'all can't see Andrew down here, he's got his foot up in his little scooter thing because he... He uh, shattered his foot doing some fishing. So, <laughs> hardcore fishing right there. But, I mean, that, that would be kind of condescending, wouldn't it, Andrew? I mean, just, just look at somebody and go, hey, get up and walk. Yet, because of the way they frame it, in the name of Jesus Christ the Nazarene, get up and walk, th this had some power to it. Because, listen, the legend was already following Jesus. We're, we're talking only months, days to months from the, the fact that Jesus had died and was put in a grave, and then three days later he rose from the grave, and over, over 500 people saw him, like saw him alive and walking again. And they already, many of these people had maybe eaten at the meal when Jesus fed 5,000 with a little boy's lunch. Maybe some of these people had experienced some of the miracle working power. They had watched people get healed. They had seen him do miraculous things. And even if they hadn't seen it, they had heard about it, right? And so when this guy invokes the name of Jesus, it meant something. And he says, in the name of Jesus Christ the Nazarene, get up and walk. And look what happens. Look how this man responds in verse 7. It says that Peter, he took the man by the right hand and he helped him up. 
he begins to help this guy up. And as he does, the Bible says that the man's feet and ankles were instantly healed and strengthened. So as Peter begins to help him up off the ground, the strength comes back to his legs. And by the way, this guy, when did he walk? Never. Never. So for the first time, this guy's getting strength in his leg and strength in his ankles that he's never experienced. And the Bible says that he was instantly healed and instantly strengthened. Now, how he reacts is amazing. Because in verse 8, it, it tells us that he jumped up. In other words, once he had this strength for the first time, he didn't take his time getting up. But the Bible says that he jumps up and he stands on his feet. Now the guy is standing at the temple gate. This is something he had never done before. He's standing at the temple gate. And then he begins to walk. And, and I don't know what that walk looked like. You know, I think he might have started out like a, like a wobbly-legged giraffe, you know, when they're first born. But I think within a few minutes, this guy is, man, he is walking the walk. And he walks, and then he starts leaping and jumping. And then the Bible says that by the end of it, his walk, his leaping, his jumping is praising God. So he is like, he's having a worship service. He is jumping, he is leaping, he is walking, and he is praising God. Now, now here's what happens next that's so amazing. He goes into the temple. He goes into the temple courts. Now, this, he, he leaves from the beautiful gate, and he goes into the, the colonnade. Now, this is something that he could never do before this. Because of his condition, people saw those that were maybe crippled or disabled as being unclean or something like that, and they weren't allowed to come into the temple. That's why he laid at the gate, but he never went in. And so for the first time, he enters in, and people are taking notice of this. This guy, he walks into the temple, leaping and shouting and praising God. And you should also understand that he was not being very dignified in this moment. Like he comes into the temple leaping and shouting and jumping and praising God and all these things, and he's acting a little foolish. Because, look, something amazing had just happened to him. And verse 9 says that all the people, they saw him walking, and they heard him praising God. All the people heard him. In other words, this guy was making a spectacle. They heard him. They heard him praising God. And when they realized that this was the lame beggar, because remember, he was carried to the gate of the temple every day. The residents of Jerusalem, anyone that had ever gone through the beautiful gate, they knew this guy. This is the guy. That's the beggar guy that's always laying every single day at the gate. And here he is. This guy, like, I've known him for 36 years. He's never walked. What is he doing jumping and dancing and shouting and praising God in the temple? When they realized it was him, the Bible says that they were absolutely astonished. Astonished. If you're keeping notes, I want you to write this down. When God works people notice. When God works, people notice. Look, I don't know what you've got going on in your life, what you've been through, or where you may be showing up to church on Easter Sunday, but let me tell you what can happen. You can leave here changed today. You know, this beggar, he, he was dropped off at the gate that day, and he thought, maybe I'll make some money. Maybe I'll be able to buy some bread at the end of the day and feed myself. When, when whoever it is, when dad or mom or brother comes to lift me up and to carry me back home. But he got something completely different. You may come today and, and, and you, you, you may have just showed up to church thinking, hey, I'm just going to get a little silver, I'm just going to get a little gold. And you know what? You might leave here healed today. 
you might leave here completely different praising God than the way you come in. And I want you to know something, that if that happens, if God does a great work in you, people will take notice. People will take notice, and God can change you like he changed this guy. Because when God works, people notice. You can be changed just like he was, and when you are, you, you know what? You're going to go home different. You're going to go to work Monday, and you're going to be different. You're going to be around your, your people, and they're, they're going to say, man, there's something about you that's different. And you're going to say, well, where does that come from? And the answer is when God works, people notice. People notice. Now, because people took notice, and because this is a truth that we all have seen play out, and we know the, 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 the accuracy of that statement when God works, people notice, Peter knew what was going on as well. And Peter noticed, and Peter acted. Look at verse 11. The Bible says that they all rushed out in amazement to Solomon's colonnade, where the man was holding tightly to Peter and John. Now, so to realize what's going on, the word spreading. The guy, you know, the guy at the gate, the lame guy, he's out there dancing and jumping and walking, and, and he's healed. Something's happened. Everybody's running out of the building. They're running out of the temple into the colonnade. They're seeing this. And the Bible says that they find him. All these people are amazed, and there's a crowd that's gathering around. And the man was holding tightly to Peter and John. This is not because he needed their support to hold him up. He was fully healed. This was an embrace. This guy was embracing them. He was hugging them. He was thanking them. He was embracing them. And, and they were sharing in this moment. And people saw. And notice what Peter does. Verse 12. Peter saw his opportunity. You know, many times in, in our life, there is, God gives us opportunities to be a witness. He gives us opportunities to speak, to speak life, to have impact. And we kind of miss it. We let it go by, and a lot of times we don't realize it until after the fact, and we kick ourselves, and we go, that was my chance to say what I needed to say. That was my chance to show them love, or to show them grace, or to show them truth, and I missed it. Peter saw his opportunity, and he addresses the crowd, and he says, people of Israel, what is so surprising about this? Now, what was surprising about it to the people is they were attributing the miracle to Peter and John, right? Because Jesus... Jesus did a lot of stuff when he was around, but remember, Jesus left. Jesus had gone, you know, he had gone back to, to heaven. He had ascended, and now these miracles are happening. And he says, why are you staring at us as though we had made this man walk by our own power or our own godliness? I love what Peter does here because Peter clearly shows that this had nothing to do with their power, that God had just used them as, as an instrument, and this had everything to do with the power of God at work through them, that it was God's power, it was the power of Jesus the Nazarene that had healed this man. Verse 13. So verse 13, he, he goes on in this message as he's talking to Israel, and he says, it's the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our ancestors. He's speaking to these Jewish people, they understand this, who has brought glory to his servant Jesus. Has brought glory to his servant Jesus by doing this. This is the same Jesus whom you handed over and rejected before Pilate. Despite Pilate's decision to release him, you rejected this holy, righteous one and instead demanded the release of a murderer. Now, you read this and you go, yeah, I'm sorry, Jews. I'm sorry, Jews. But you know what? This is us. We place ourselves, just like we can put ourselves in the shoes of the, 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 the lame beggar, we can also put ourselves 
right in the shoes of the Jews that Peter was preaching to. Because at the end of the day, what put Jesus on the cross was not, it was not his sin. It was my sin. And it was your sin. A few weeks ago, we talked about Jesus carrying a cross. Jesus never carried his own cross. Well, I thought Jesus did carry his cross. No, Jesus didn't carry his cross. Jesus carried your cross and my cross. That wasn't his cross. Jesus didn't deserve a cross. He didn't need a cross. As a matter of fact, that cross that Jesus was carrying that day, you know who it really belonged to? It belonged to this murderer named Barabbas, a guy that was deserving of death. And that murderer named Barabbas, he was set free so that Jesus could carry his cross, so that Jesus could carry our cross, and so that Jesus could die on that cross. The cross that Jesus died on was the murderer's cross, Barabbas's cross, and guess what? It was our sin that nailed him to it. It was our cross because we're the murderer too. And so when he says that to him, when he says, you rejected this holy righteous one and instead demanded the release of a murderer, we understand that through Jesus Christ, we are released, and he took our cross. Now this is where you might go, oh, this is good, preacher, we got about 10 minutes left before church gets out, and you haven't even mentioned the resurrection. How is this an Easter sermon? Look at verse 15. This is where it gets, I love this verse, man. He says, you killed the author of life, the author of life, that through God all things are spoken to Je- uh, into existence. Jesus was the creating agent in, in all that is created, and it was Jesus and Jesus alone that authors life. He is the author of the life we have in our lungs, uh, in the flesh, and he is the author of eternal life that we may have through his sacrifice forever and ever. He is God. He is the Messiah. He's the author of life. And as Peter's preaching this message to them, as they're seeing this miracle take shape and they're listening to this message, he says, guys, you killed the author of life. But God raised him from the dead. That's what we celebrate today. That's the Easter message. That, that, that we have life, that yes, a murderer was let go, and yes, Jesus died on that murderer's cross, and we, it is our sin that nailed him to it, and we, our sin killed the author of life, but you know what God did? God raised him from the dead, and Peter and John and many others had seen him resurrected, and they said, we are witnesses of this fact. Hey, that's why we came to church on Easter, that's why you're here today. Because we believe this, as Josephus called it, this most mysterious superstition. That God raised his son from the dead. We believe that and we are witnesses of this fact. So in verse 16, Peter goes on he says, Through faith in the name of Jesus, this man was healed. How was he healed? Through faith in the name of Jesus. You know how crippled he was before, but he says, But faith in Jesus' name has healed him before your eyes. Now understand that what he's saying there, you remember when, when he looked up to them, he looked up with expectant eyes thinking he was going to receive money, right? Silver or gold. And they said, silver or gold, I have none, but in the name of Jesus the Nazarene. That is what the power was that healed this guy. It wasn't Peter. It wasn't John. It was Jesus the Nazarene. Hey, this guy, he may not have even known who Peter or John was, but because of the miracles, because of the legend, because of the stories, because of what everybody had said, listen, People like this guy had heard the stories about lame people who were made to walk again. They had heard those stories. And you can bet you that they were longing to get some of that. They wanted this Jesus that they heard the legends that he was walking around and making lame people walk again. They were like, man, I hope he comes by my house and I get me some of that too. And guess what? When Peter and John says, 
what I do have you, I give you in the name of Jesus of Nazareth. That got that moment. He remembered the story. He remembered the power. He heard the name, and his faith was placed not in Peter or John's ability, but in Jesus. And Peter and John make it clear that he's healed through Jesus. That's how he was healed, which brings us to our second point. It's the resurrected Jesus that gets all the glory. When God changes a life, when God changes my life, your life, any of our lives, it is not for anyone's glory but Jesus's. It's the resurrected Jesus that gets all the glory. Which brings us to the last part. And by the way, this sermon continues and this story continues. It's an amazing story. It goes on and because of what happened, it stirred up the, the hornet's nest. Like the Pharisees, they got mad and all this stuff happens as a result of this guy getting healed at the temple that day. But I love how Peter gets to the apex or the culmination of his sermon right here in verse 17, 18, and 19. Uh, and, and here's what he says, verse 17. He says, friends, he's talking to his, his people. He was a Jew, they were Jews. He had just told them, hey, you're the ones that put him on the cross, right? He says, friends, I realize that you, that what you and your leaders did to Jesus was done in ignorance. Now, for most of us, especially before we understand the fullness of the gospel, that's us too. We exist in ignorance. We don't understand. Maybe we've heard the stories and we've seen the images of Jesus on the cross, but we don't understand why he went to the cross. We don't understand that it was for me and my sins individually that Jesus died on the cross. We live in ignorance, right? And that's what he's saying to them. He's saying, friends, listen, I realize, I realize that what you and your leaders did to Jesus, it was done in ignorance, but God, but God. But God was fulfilling what all the prophets had foretold about the Messiah. He said, look, I'm sorry you had to do it. I know you did it in ignorance, but this was the plan all along. That Jesus would go to the cross, and he would die as a sacrifice for sin, and he would be buried in the grave, and then three days later he would raise, he would raise up to life again. He said, I, I know, but this had to be fulfilled. He must suffer these things. And then verse 19 finishes with this. Look what it says. Now repent of your sins and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped away. I, I want to I rest there for just a second as we wrap this up because that's, that's the meat of the message. He, he says to him, he says, look, this, this isn't, it's awesome that this guy's healed. Do you know why God healed that guy that day outside that gate? It wasn't so that that guy could walk again. It wasn't. It was so that God's power would be displayed and all those people that saw the power of God on display would be saved and would come to faith in Jesus Christ. God did that to open up a door to something even greater, an even greater healing, and the healing of more than just one, but the healing of many because there were a lot of people that came to Christ out there on the colonnade that day at the temple because this, this beggar that had been lame for 36 years was healed. He says, now repent of your sins and turn to God. Uh, let's, and by the way, this is almost the exact same message that Peter preached on the day of Pentecost when the people said, what must we do now? Repent of your sins and turn to God. Now let's talk about that repent, that word repent. Because that's a big fancy Bible word. But it comes, that specifically in that place, it comes from a Greek word, metneo. And that word metneo means a change of mind. A change of mind. Did you know, and, and I've heard people, and I say this all the time, that, that repentance is a change of direction. But did you know you can't change direction without changing your mind? can't change direction without changing your mind. That the only way you're going to 
you have to realize I'm going the wrong way, right? Or realize I want to go a different direction. You have to think consciously, I've got to shift or make a turn. You have to change your mind before you change your direction. And that's what the word repent means. That's what the word metneo means, that he says that you repent of your sins, that you change your mind, that you change your understanding. Because so many of us, we think that it's about putting sins on one side and our good deeds on the other and weighing it up. Some of us think maybe we don't sin, and John addresses that when he said, if you say you don't sin, you deceive yourself, and the truth is not in you. Look, we're all broken by sin, and he says that we have to repent of those sins. We have to change our mind, and we have to turn to God. We turn to Jesus Christ and his finished work. We turn to God and God alone, understanding that he's the only one that can bring true repentance, that can bring true salvation, and he can wipe our sins away. That's salvation. That's what we're here to talk about today. That is, that is what I told you at the very beginning I want you to see and to understand. Is that God wants to give salvation through the repentance of sins and returning to God. So our last point is simply this. Salvation is found in the resurrected Jesus. It's not found in anything else. It's found in Jesus Christ and Jesus alone. Salvation is found in the resurrected Jesus. So as our musicians come and we have invitation, I want you to... I want you to, to take a second and do a, a self-inventory. You know, where am I at today? Am I hopeful or am I hopeless? You know, for many of you, you, you're living with the hope that's in this life alone. And I can assure you that if that's where your hope is, you're going to get let down. You're going to get let down. My daughter and I, we were talking the other day about uh, her car, and uh, it, it was a good conversation. I explained to her that that everything decays, right? I was kidding around in early service. Bethany's car is, it's new to her, but it's an old car that had a lot of miles on it that we got a good deal on when we bought it, you know, got a good deal on. It, we don't have to change the oil because it changes its own oil, you know? You put it in, it leaks out, puts more in later, her little Volkswagen. And I explained to her, I said, Bethany, everything decays. Everything decays. Guess what? A new car quickly becomes an old car. If you don't believe me, go buy a car today, drive it off the lot, and then tomorrow take it back to the same dealership and see what they'll give you for it and trade it. It decays quick. A new house becomes an old house. A young body becomes an old body. Right? Good knees become bad knees. Nice hair becomes no hair. I mean, that's just it. That, that's life, right? Everything decays. And, and listen, we get that. We get that. We understand that principle. Yet we place our hope in that kind of stuff. We place our hope in, in our health, in our youth, in our finances, in our stuff, in our things knowing that it's all going to decay. And when you do that, here's what happens. When circumstances come along that aren't so good, you lose hope. And if your hope is in something of this earth that's temporary, I can assure you that you will find yourself hopeless. It's going to happen because the stuff's going to go away. And that's why putting our hope in Jesus, that's why putting our hope in eternal is so important. That's why real hope is not wishful thinking. It's great expectations because we're not looking to this life, but we're looking to tomorrow. And so if you're here today, that's the message 
That's, that's the message of Easter. It's a message of hope. Because of the resurrected Jesus, you can have salvation. Because of the resurrected Jesus, your hope does not have to be in this life. Your hope can be in tomorrow. It can be in the eternity that's on the other side. And that's true hope. And so today, we're going to have an invitation. If God's speaking to your heart about salvation, if God is calling you to repentance, if God is telling you that, hey, man, it's time to leave here and be different and be changed and let people watch and see what God's done in my life, I don't know what it may be, but this invitation's for you. We're going to have uh, the altars open. I'll be here. Brother Tony will be here if you want to come, if you need to talk. If God's dealing with your heart about a decision or a next step you need to make, you may come forward in just a moment during this invitation. Maybe you want to pray right where you are in the pew and just commit and say, God, I'm leaving here different. But whatever God is trying to show you, I pray that today on Easter you would come. Let's stand and sing. I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. No turning back. Sing this next verse. If God's dealing with your heart, you come. This is for you. The world behind me, the cross before me. so much for your presence today. It's good to see you at 1030 service. Y'all actually had some room to spread out because everybody decided to come to 9 o'clock service this morning. It's crazy. We were packed out in there, but uh, uh, it's good to see a good crowd in this service as well. I hope everyone has a blessed, blessed Easter. Have a great day. God's given us some great weather. Uh, get out there, enjoy it, eat some candy, and have some fun. Uh, when we dismiss in just a minute, Brother Tony's got his camera with him. Uh, I know a lot of people like to get pictures on Easter because they're dressed like an Easter egg, you know, JD, and and uh, looking all nice. So uh, so y'all can.